You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The research started as a Linux capabilities research and not Docker. But as I went forward with it, I found that Docker had a vulnerability and uh, Microsoft had one too. That's Alan Zahavi. He's a security researcher at CyberArk. The research we're discussing today is titled How Docker Made Me More Capable and the Host Less Secure. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. both of those uh, vulnerabilities, I succeeded at uh, escalation of privileges in a Linux uh, machine. Well, let's start with Linux itself then. Can you describe for us what are the capabilities here and and how do they lead us uh, into a bit of trouble? Traditionally, Linux had two kinds of processes. A processes that ran uh, with root permissions and Processes without root permissions. Since Linux kernel uh, version 2.2, those permissions were divided into units uh, called capabilities. And each capability uh, granted the process the ability to perform certain privileged operations. 
So let's take, for example, uh, the the mount syscall. Okay. So before capabilities, only root could have mount new images to the to the file system. Right now, in order to to mount this uh, this image, a process will need to have the cap sysadmin uh, capability. Even if it's not root, it can be any user with with any UID. And if it's got the this capability, the sysadmin capability, it can mount every image to any part of the of the file system. And so what does that mean for us in terms of uh, this vulnerability that you discovered? As I said before, even if you are not root, but you have certain capabilities, you can do certain privileged tasks. So in case of, of the vulnerability I found, if you had a GDB, which is a debugger in Linux, with the capability of sysptrace, you can attach yourself as a debugger to any process, even if it's high-privileged process. If you had the, the, the GDB, if you had access to execute this GDB with this capability, you can do practically anything. You can attach yourself to a root process, which has, by default, all the capabilities in Linux, and just do anything your your mind limits you to. Now, I mean, is is this a, a fundamental flaw in in the way that that Linux handles this, or is this a, a particular thing that you've discovered here? So, Linux capabilities, as I said, it's there from Linux two point two, which is nineteen ninety nine. Okay, mm. it's it's been there for a long time, but. Only recently with the development of cloud and containers that we see this uh, mechanism started to, to being used. In case of, of the things I found, it's been misused by mistake by some vendors. But yeah, every time process asks uh, to, to perform uh, privileged tasks, the kernel itself checks if this process has the capabilities to do so. If not, it's just throwing an error and said you can't do it, permission error. But if you do have this capability, it just moves on. You, you know, it's check if you have it, you can do it. If you haven't got it, you can't do it. So how does this affect Docker containers? Okay, so in Docker containers, by default, you get limited capabilities. Because if you had all the capabilities, if the, the root user uh, from in the, the, the container had all the capabilities, it was also the root outside the container. So you can escape it like... If, if there wasn't any container uh, jail, okay? So right. in this case, it didn't had the, the ability to escape a container, but because of how Docker uh, managed file permissions at the version 
that I checked any user, unprivileged user on the host, not a container on the host, could have access to files that are saved inside the container. So in theory, an attacker that had both access on the host and the container itself could have done anything he wants. He could have crafted any executable inside the container and give it any capabilities he wants or even set UID capability and then move to the host, run it from there and become root become the, the most powerful user in in Linux machine. Part of what I find really interesting in this research you published is you walk us through the process of, of how you discovered this. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, of course. So this research started as uh, Linux capabilities. I, I wanted to find misconfiguration or misimplementation, to be more exact, inside the Linux kernel in order to bypass the, those checks, those capabilities checks. But as I went forward with, with the research, I found that the implementation was kind of straightforward. You know, it's, if, if I talk uh, in, in code, okay, it was only a if statement, okay? Hmm. If you got it, you got it. If not, you, you don't got it. So then I went to search who uses this, this, this mechanism. And I found that Docker uses it a lot. Then I scanned over 2,500 Docker images uh, from Docker Hub uh, and found that Microsoft uh, released few images that had uh, that GDB file with file capabilities, which gives any, any user that execute this GDB the capability to attach itself to any process. Again, even root processes. And that was the first vulnerability I found uh, in this research. Then in order to execute this GDB, uh, we needed the, the permissions you know, classic Linux uh, file permissions. And after looking at the, the files and directories that Docker engine produce when you, when you pull an image from, from Docker Hub, I saw that one of, the, one of the directories where the image is saved allows any user to execute any file from within this directory. And again, then I, I took the, the, the image I downloaded uh, from, from their website, the Microsoft image, and using low-privileged user on the host, all I had to do is just find the, the path and then execute the file. From then on, I was root for any... I was root actually. That that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's enough, right? Yeah, I think that's enough. <laughs> that's kind of everything. It's, it's like it's like the holy grail for for <laughs> Linux attackers, you know. 
Right. And I'm imagining you you sitting there, you know, at your workstation and, and kind of, you know, your your eyes opening up and, and wondering to yourself, wait a minute, is this really what I think it is? It's exactly as you said. I worked and I tried to to execute it and I was like, nah, it, it shouldn't work. <laughs> no, no way. And then I just press enter and it worked. Hmm. And I was sky high. <laughs> I went to my <laughs> colleagues and said, oh my God, oh my God, I found it. <laughs> that was what I was searching for. Right. So is this a matter that you, you sort of alluded to this earlier that, you know, this feature was was introduced into Linux back in the very late 90s. Was it kind of sitting around because um, you know, back in the 90s, nobody was thinking about cloud environments the way that we do today? I think that, that it was lying around because people didn't want to use it. You know, it hmm. messes things up. It's not easy as either you privileged or you're not. This kind of mechanism gives you the ability to create a least privileged environment. And... As I said, it messes things up. And when you talk about cloud and containers, you have to do it. When you're using a container which has the same kernel as the host, you have to do it. And if you do not do it, the attacker will have, you know, easy, easy attack surface. So that is why, in my opinion, clouds and containers uses the Linux capabilities more than the traditional uh, Linux uh, machines. People should uh, have more more thinking about this mechanism so people will use it more because if more people will use it in its correct way, the, the machine will be much more secure. Because, for example, take the ping command okay it's not like this anymore because they changed it but it used to be a set uid binary so every vulnerability you had in a ping which all it does is send an icmp packet okay Mm -hmm. if you had a vulnerability there you became root but with capabilities if you found a vulnerability in ping all you had is like you can send more ICMP. You can build a raw socket and that's it. You wouldn't mm. become root. You will have more privileges, but you're still not root. You're still not the most powerful user in Linux. I see. You're limited in what you can do within ping itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's not the case here. No. Again, the GDB, which is, again, a debugger with the capability to attach itself to root uh, processes, it gives you the, the ability to, again, to attach yourself to root processes and change mm. the stack and change the memory and change the, the, um, the code flow, okay, the, the running flow. You can do anything. You can do. You can inject shell codes and and just change the the register that 
that points to the next instruction and just run this shellcode. So that's why it's so dangerous to have this capability on that executable. So where do we stand now in, in terms of, of Docker itself? Um, they, they've updated this? Where, where are we? Yeah, so the file permissions that I talked about regarding to, to the Docker vulnerability, it was fixed, uh, I think, a few months ago, a few months mm-hmm. ago. So that's fixed. Okay, but that's just one vulnerability. So Microsoft fixed their vulnerability also. But it doesn't mean that this escalation of privileges uh, is not there anymore. Okay, so Microsoft and Docker did what they had to do. But it's now the task for the IT teams and the system administrators to update uh, Docker engine and to update the, the images and they need to to scan their uh, machines, their servers, so so they know for a fact that this kind of of vulnerabilities are not there anymore. Is there anything to be done on the Linux level itself of of limiting you know Linux's ability to to do this? I don't think so. No, because this mechanism is supposed to make things more secure. And when you use it right, it does make it more secure. It's right for everything. You know, if you misuse something, it will be dangerous. But when you use it correctly, it's great, really. Our thanks to Alan Zahavi from CyberArk for joining us. The research is titled How Docker Made Me More Capable and the Host Less Secure. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a message from CyberBit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need CyberBit. CyberBit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.
Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.